Welcome to the Crocker Report Podcast. Today we have the second installment of our new Fix My Team series. We're talking about the Jets. Number two overall pick, new head coach, 75 million in cap space, and I mean, quite frankly, holes all over this roster. So before we dive into new acquisitions, outgoing free agents, all that sort of nitty gritty, let's talk about the key position on this team, Sam Darnold. High draft pick, flashes of success, woefully inconsistent to this point in his career, whether it's from injuries or on-field play, coaching, whatever it is, the product is not what we had anticipated coming in. So what are you guys doing with Sam Darnold? We have the second overall pick and our pick of quarterbacks after likely Trevor Lawrence. Are you taking a new guy or are you sticking with Darnold? I'm not done with Darnold, but if you if you listen to the the – the rumors and if you if you kind of watch the the temp in the room, it's kind of you know you could tell they want to move him. So I I believe they're gonna probably move on with him as far as their front office goes. But me personally, I would want to go tackle because how rare would it be to be able to get Makai Becton and possibly Penny Sewell um, anchoring your offensive line for the next six, seven, eight years or so. Yeah, I would keep him. I mean, let's be frank. The Jets roster isn't very good, and it's impossible to judge the effective effectiveness of a quarterback when everything around him is 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 chaotic. I mean, we've seen it. They 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 were losing for different reasons any given week. Some of it was Darnold's fault. Some of it wasn't. I mean, they struggled to protect him. They struggled to give him weapons. It's it's hard to evaluate what he is as a quarterback because you don't know. We don't know what he's dealing with. We don't know what maybe he's doing his job on a given play, but somebody else around him is not doing their job and he has to react to that. And there goes a bad decision. And like the naked eye would say, Sam Darnold did something wrong. But um, I'm mainly the point is you got to build around him. He's still a young quarterback still on his rookie deal so you're not paying a lot of money for him and he still has talent so I would say you keep him you see what this new coaching staff can do with him you try and develop him and then you build this roster around him so he has a better chance to succeed in a vacuum do you guys like Darnold more than this next I guess three quarterbacks after Lawrence at this stage I was just thinking that and I would probably take right now with the Jets roster. I wouldn't take any of them because I think they'll all struggle mm-hmm. um, with the Jets. Um, so that's the only reason I'm valuing adding to the team first instead of throwing throwing away another talented quarterback. But me personally, yes, I do like, say, for instance, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson over Sam Darnold at this point. Um, but I don't think any of them will succeed in New York with the roster that they have in place right now. So we're keeping Darnold. Who else on this roster are we keeping? You know, the, there isn't a ton of talent to walk out the door, but there is a few key pieces that we may be losing here that started last year at least. So who are you looking at keeping on this team? I would say um, the safety, Marcus May. I mean, he's I mean he's still young. He came out in that 2017 draft, and he's just now uh, started coming to his own Um I think he played fairly well under the circumstances last year. And um yeah, I believe he's just a with with the roster with the roster like this, 
you want to look for young uh, building blocks. You need foundation pieces. And you got a guy that you that's already been in your organization. You, you know who he is. You know what he does. You know his work ethic and everything like that. So I would say um, you keep a guy like that. Keep him around for the rebuild. So that way, you know, you got you got young people in place. You don't want a whole lot of guys coming in and guys coming out because you can't build anything that way. Identify your foundational pieces and you and you and you grow with that. So I would think that uh, Marcus May would be a piece for them to uh, hold on to going forward. My thing when looking at, at when you look at who to keep, I believe like who is a serviceable starter? Like, am I going, what's the chance of me drafting and relatively you know, try to keep them relatively young or you want to go for the veteran. So you, you know, you still have a team full of young bucks, but am I going to draft a guy better than that's going to develop into this player three years from now or better than this, be better than this player over three years. And I think if you have to say no, then you keep him. You know, obviously if the guys didn't perform well, if you just feel like they can't play at a high level for the standard that Salah has um, for this team, then you move on. But I think when looking at guys to keep, you have to feel as if, is this guy a legitimate starter in the NFL? And can he play for us not only this year, but next year and the year after? Now, before we move on from this safety discussion, are you sure that the Jets would bring back Marcus May? They just dealt a stud safety because he was becoming too expensive. I'm looking at Spotrack's market value, if that is how you say this name. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, and they're projecting about $10 million a year. Is that too much for a starting safety on a rebuilding team? So, so what's, what's McDougal's market value at the moment? It. Because, I mean, if if you look over the last couple of years and, you know, I haven't done a deep dive on, on him, but it, it wouldn't be crazy to keep him if he's relatively cheaper. I understand he's a little bit older, um, but um, having him around for a couple of years, he's been a productive player over the last few years. And, you know, I feel like having him in there um, wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on what. What type? What are you looking for in your defense um, between Marcus May and McDougal? Like, who do you want to keep? Do you keep both, or do you get rid of one? You know what I mean. So, I know he only played half the season last year. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's another guy. Um, he's currently on the roster, but I think it's worth a conversation of whether to keep him on the roster, and that's Jamison Crowder. He's on the he's on the books for eleven million next year. But you save ten of that eleven million if you cut them. So I would say, I mean, if you want to, if you're rebuilding, you might as well go all the way and rebuild, get that extra money, and uh, you could move on from Jamison Crowder, get an extra ten million, put that in somewhere else, put that into the offensive line, and maybe you uh, you start drafting and developing some more prospects. I mean, I, and honestly, it's going to be a lot of turnover because another thing to take into account is uh, scheme change. Mm-hmm. They they were a three four team under uh, Rob uh, Rob Sala. They're going to be a four three team now. And Rob Sala, he he's come he comes from that Seattle uh, defensive scheme where they do you know uh, cover three, uh, four three under, and recently he's added the wide nine front. And some cover two concepts behind it. Now, 
you your outside linebackers, uh, Terrell Basham, and uh, they had they had uh, what's his name Jenkins. They would be in this scheme. They would be four three defensive ends, especially Terrell Basham, uh, cousin of uh, Boogie Basham, who's coming out in this draft. He, I think he translates more to a four three defensive end. I mean, he's like two seventy. He he played about. 50 60 percent of the snaps last year as a stand-up rusher he could be uh you know a cheap upside uh signing if they were to keep him around pretty much just save them some money see if they can get some bang for their buck that would be something that i would look at because they with the with the with the shift well what i think they're going to shift to they've got no defensive ends whatsoever so they're going to need that uh position as well and i will look at uh somebody like basham Maybe to uh, just a, a cheap stopgap to uh, to help them smooth things over, to smooth the transition over. It's it's hard because you got entire positions that you have to build. Like they they don't have a defensive end position. They don't have a linebacker position. They don't have a wide receiver room. Like they can't fill the team right now. <laughs> so let's look at then this draft or this free agent class. Are there any names in particular that you're looking at or position groups that you specifically want to address with veteran players? Well, I don't think you should spend money on a running back anyway. Yeah. Draft a guy. Definitely draft a guy because most of the guy most of the guys on this list when you look at them, they're aside from Kenyon Drake who who's been productive and had a good season last year. Um these guys are banged up after most of the time. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking to bring somebody else in just as a filler, you maybe you draft a guy in the first round, which is definitely what I'm leaning towards, like Eugene said. Uh maybe a you know, possibly a, a Mark Ingram, you know, maybe just somebody who's reliable, you know, reliable who, who can do what you need to do and also bring it you know, play with another back, maybe a more explosive back in the draft you know, a la ETN or somebody else, you know, just throwing names up there. But um, just somebody that's a good complimentary back with somebody. But, no, you definitely shouldn't throw a bag at them. There's no reason to. Running backs come a dime a dozen, and, and these guys aren't the studs that you necessarily want anyway. The only free agent back that would be interesting to me, specifically in this context, is Matt Breida because he yeah. comes from that Niners team, and they're pretty much just importing the offense. So you have mm-hmm. someone day one who knows the intricacies of that offense. He's hurt all the time. But when he is on the field, he's been productive specifically for that team, that system. So he should be cheap at this stage due to the injuries. So that's one I could see bringing in to at least teach the guys and be an extra hand. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Other name that stood out on the free agents is uh, Leonard Fournette. I don't think they would go for it, but that's – if – they were forced to go running back in free agency. That's the only name I really would look at. Yeah, he had a he had a good postseason. You know, he he's he was productive in Jacksonville. You know, he's still good. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be worth what you're going to have to pay him, especially you with you having to pick at twenty three and thirty four. You can get a back if you want. If you want one, if you want a good young back, you can go get one. Yeah, I think when you're rebuilding, the last thing you need to do is throw money at a running back who's looking for a second or third contract. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just kind of where you're at. It never works out. When when does it when does it ever really work out when you bring in a guy and 
he does it's usually a trade or a guy that you drafted who's who's gonna do well again unless you're adding just a complimentary piece fine mm-hmm. but if you're adding a starter and you have to pay them like a starter just just don't yeah not worth it <laughs> will fuller catching my attention obviously marvin jones and ty hilton those two stuck out um i, I think you you go after you go after ty marvin Corey, and will fuller Either one of those guys will be able – they'll be a good piece for a quarterback to have. And then you go draft another guy. It's a deep receiver class. You bring one of those guys in. They're veteran guys. Like, I would love to see T.Y., you know, with a with a good young quarterback who can get him the ball um, after maybe, you know, you secure that offensive line. And I think he still has a lot of game in him um, left. He's still, he's still averaging a good amount per catch. And, and Marvin Jones may be the best of the group down here. Corey Davis had a good season last year. And Will Fuller is like the ultimate compliment receiver. Um, we saw what he did down in Houston uh, with Deshaun Watson over the last few years, but he's just never been the guy. Um, but I think he could possibly get an opportunity to be that in New York if given an opportunity. Yeah, I would say throw a bag at Corey Davis. Um, mm-hmm. You get you get a you get he's a veteran receiver, but he's still coming off his rookie contract, so you, there's still upside there. He's still he's still got more to give you going forward so i would make i would uh throw some money at him he's you know he's he's your ex he's you uh you he's gonna be your volume catcher he's gonna give you uh yards after the catch he's gonna be that that first read for sam darn and it and it helps the quarterback out because he's gonna be that first read the guy that he can trust that he can just throw the ball to and, and just let him go get it and now you not press to reach for a wide receiver anywhere in the draft and now you got your you got your number one right there now you can find out where other pieces fit in and plus they got money they can they can they can sign Corey and will fuller so like i think what we're seeing is we have a lot of cap space Mm -hmm. but the guys we want are going to suck it up quickly oh we ain't even talk about yannick and gakwe either yeah that's gonna cost too much so I was thinking, I'm def I'm, I'm I'm buying Corey Davis. That's going to be one of my first signings. I think that helps out tremendously. On the defensive side, say we go. I, I already talked about uh, uh, Basham. Maybe you resign him on the cheap. Maybe you get a uh, Tack McKinley on the cheap. Because the thing is, with that with that wide nine, you want speed coming on from from that outside. That's one thing Tack McKinley does have is speed. Um. At the cornerback position, uh, it, you want to go maybe a little bit cheaper. Maybe you want to supplement that with the draft, but you need you need th- with this roster you need bodies. You already got Bryce Hall, but you don't really have anything else. Um, so I was thinking maybe um, that 2017 class that was heavy on corner. They're free agents now. You got Shaq Griffin from Seattle. You got Kevin King from the Packers. You got uh, Cheeto Awuzier from the Cowboys. One of those. Shouldn't hurt your pockets too much, especially a woozy AC since he was hurt all year. So that shouldn't hurt your pockets too much. And you still got players that's in their 20s that still have their best football going forward. How do y'all feel about them possibly going after a, you know, Solomon Thomas? That's the name that jumps out to me, too. I know it's the same regime that soured on him in San Francisco, but I mean, buy low. Yeah, he's not going to be super expensive. I mean, I mean, there's a, he could just say, you know, F it and, and keep it moving. But, you know, why not go after him? It's a new team. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know their relationship, but you never know. 
and and I know we're we're talking a lot of San Francisco, obviously, because you know Salah and their relationship. I mean, Jason Verrett had a really really good season last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, when you look at him, and he he's farther down on the corners, you know, list. But he's a guy that when he's healthy, he plays really well. And I would, you know, after seeing him play last year, I would take him over a Wuze. Like I would take him over some of those guys over a Kevin King. You know, he battles with the best guys. Like you have to beat him. He has all the skill sets to be a really good corner, and he's what thirty years old now. So you can get a, a year, a solid year or two out of him while you're developing that back end and or drafting another corner, you know, second, third round, whatever it may be, and, you know, continue to build that defense up. So Defensive tackle is the one position they actually do have some talent at. Um, other than Quentin Williams, um, that guy, uh, Fadu, I, I probably butchered his name, but uh, Fadukasi, I don't yeah. And they still got uh, John Franklin Myers backing that up. Um, that's actually one of the positions they actually have some young guys that can actually play. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go. It would be a nice upgrade because that have a veteran presence there, but I'm not sure how high on the priority list that would be. The only other name I thought was going to be an interesting conversation point would be Richard Sherman because of the familiarity with the scheme and the leadership coming in as they're trying to establish a new culture. Yeah. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be interesting, but he's going to cost a decent amount yeah. for an older corner as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's dive into the draft then. Um, and you know, Trevor Lawrence is the only guy off the board when we come up at two mm-hmm. for this exercise, we're not entertaining trade downs or anything like that. So what are we looking at? Are we looking at protection for Darnold? Are we looking at a weapon for Darnold? Because those are probably the two key areas right at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm protection. I'm I'm looking at Finney Sewell. Yeah, we don't see guys like that. We don't we don't see guys that big and that athletic, you know, just popping up in the draft. And I know everybody's been moving off of him, and we've seen it a lot with a lot of the guys who um, decided to opt out, like they're falling. You know, we're such a now in the moment, you know, um, culture that what guy that opted out that was a projected top 15 pick is still in the top 15, aside from Chase. Like, think about it. Greg Rousseau was a, a number two pick uh, nine months ago. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's not, you know, it's a lot of his other guys are playing well and he has the length and, and all that good stuff. But think about all the guys who didn't play. Like, they're falling like bad. When, you know, six, seven months ago, Penny Sewell was the greatest offensive tackle prospect that we've seen in the last 30 years. You know what I mean? And so um, in in my eyes, like, I don't feel like you should pass on that. Um, I feel like you solidify the offensive line. You get two huge, huge human beings anchoring your offensive line, setting your quarterback and your offense up for success to negate some of these elite pass rushers that we see in the NFL. And I think that's the way to go. That's for me personally. Um, so I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah, and think of the the on the field play. I mean, think of a a simple screen pass, and then you got you got Brandon Sheriff in space, and you got Penny Sewell in space. Not a lot of defenders want them type of problems. They they're they're gonna have a whole lot of success getting those tackles out out in space and and running behind them. They're gonna they're just gonna create so much downfield blocking. That's just going to tackle on extra yards for, for whatever plays that they run. Well, that's an easy discussion at two then. 
What about with our second first round pick? We come back up on the board at 23. What positions are you guys looking to address here? It, I mean, they need help everywhere. So I think you have to look at, you know, um, I think the best philosophy ooh, philosophy for them is um, best available. And I think depending on which direction you truly are trying to go, are you trying to set Sam Darnold up for success? I believe you get them receivers in the offseason with, with free agency, you draft him a left tackle, and give him – a home run hitter at running back. And he's not necessarily my running back number one, but the way that this draft may play out in team needs, Travis Etienne yeah. could be the guy right here at 23. Yeah, he could possibly be the guy here. You know, we bring maybe we bring in a cheaper back to compliment him um, in the offseason. But Travis Etienne, the home run hitting ability – you know, you got you two big guys, and we bring in a guard. The offensive line is going to be pretty solid, and I think he'll have success as a, as a rookie. You know, we take pressure off Sam Darnold. He can catch the ball. He can t- he can check down to him if he wants to. I think Travis Etienne will be there, and I think it makes a lot of sense for me personally. So Etienne makes sense out of all the backs for me as well. And, like, I don't want to draw too many parallels to the 49ers, but that is where this regime comes from. Mm -hmm. And the 49ers' philosophy at running back was pretty much to take athletes first and teach them to play running back. So they took all of the bigger speed guys they could find, and that's how they've really found success back there is just throwing in athletes, letting the line block, and creating movement with scheme. Mm -hmm. So I would anticipate that's going to be the same thing we see here. So ETN fits that build more than somebody like maybe a Najee Harris does. So how much does this being a defensive head coach make you think he may go edge or linebacker? Um, I don't really think – I think the first three corners will probably be off the board, so I don't see them Mm -hmm. drafting a corner at 23, but you never know. People are crazy. Um, I don't see a safety being valued at 23. Um, but what about one of the possible edge rushers? What if, um, you know, Greg Rousseau or Jalen Phillips or um, uh, Aziz is, is sitting there at 23 for some reason? You know, um, do you think they go DN? Yeah, I think they, I think he's going to get a pass rusher within one of those first three picks. Because mm-hmm. like, you almost have to. And we saw how they drafted in San Fran. You know, he had a mm-hmm. really good D-line. They always oh, yeah. drafted linemen. Always. Mm-hmm. Well, and you saw that defense struggle. Like, once that defensive line went down with injury, the whole defense fell apart. It fell apart. So, I would anticipate he prioritizes that. Maybe Michael Parsons falls. You know, all the red flags have been popping up lately. Um, it's a possibility. You know, him or, you know, one of these other guys are maybe sitting there. Um that's a, it's a good point. I'm I'm leaning ETN because I want to see Sam Darnold succeed. Like I'm all on this this train. But what's the chances of them double dipping, you know, on offense? So I'll say as far as running back too, I think you have to be concerned based off of your timeline. Like we saw the Giants do this. You take Barkley in the first round and then by the time your team's ready to compete, he has years of carries and touches on his body and is ready for a big payday. Mm-hmm. So do you spend a first-round pick knowing that by the time you're ready, mm-hmm. he's up for more money? That's a good point. That's a good point. And then you're picking at 34 also. Yeah, exactly. And again, this is a team that, like, their star running backs that they've had, the highest picked is 
probably Brita in the fifth. So I don't know if they go running back quite this early. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm trying to lean more towards edge or yeah. or or defense. Somebody in the front seven is definitely popping more in my head. Yeah. Um, I don't think Aziz falls. No, it's a good class. Um, depending on what you're looking for, it, you know, if things get a little crazy, Javante Williams may pop there at 34. But I think if you if you picking in a late first round, I think the talent is at at the at the edge rusher position. Y'all, th- y'all think Aziz last? He, he's he's gonna go in the second? No. Look with the and so I think when you when you picture think about it, what what positions always get pushed up in the draft. You look at quarterbacks, quarterback, um, edge rushers, any premium cornerbacks, mm. premium position players, whatever they're valued at, they tend to go a little bit higher. So if he's a, a late first rounder, second rounder. Somebody that needs one that's a relatively, you know, competitive team or a team picking again, they might reach for that guy. All right, well, let's go just a couple picks later at number 34 overall, uh, the second pick in the second round. Who are you guys looking at here? Yeah, Collins won't be there after he runs. I think um, from what everybody's saying, he's going to run pretty damn well. He's probably going to shoot into the first round. I wouldn't be mad at Bolt in there, or maybe a corner, or or, or how do y'all feel about them possibly adding another receiver at thirty four? So Rondell Moore excites me as really the first player we would add to that receiver room that mm-hmm. has after the catchability. Yeah, because you look at what is it from basically. So we'll get the top three; they'll be gone in the top fifteen more than likely. So then we look at receiver four, five, six. Um, whether that be Bateman, um, Marshall, for me, um, Ra, and I'm sure one guy will sneak in there after running a dumb 40 like they always do. Um, so, now, yeah, now we're sitting there. We're looking for do we have a Rondell Moore? Is Kadarius Tony still there um, possibly? Mm-hmm. Is, um, you know, like what are you trying to bring in? If Rondell Moore's there at 34, take him. Why not? Oh, yeah. We see guys do it all the time. When do we when do we see guys light up the forty, light up pro day, the combine, whatever it may be, and they're still sitting there in the second? How often does that honestly like when he goes out there and runs a four three, when he jumps a forty something, when he broad jumps an eleven and has a three nine shuttle, teams are gonna be like, I need that in my life. Um, I don't think he'll be there at thirty four. Uh, I know you mocked. I don't. I haven't seen your your latest one, but I remember you mocked him to Green Bay, um, a few picks mm-hmm. prior. I, I would think. Um, Maybe, realistically, maybe a corner is there. Um, you know, a name that's been bubbling a lot lately is um, Greg Newsom. Is it Greg Newsom out of Northwestern? Northwestern, yeah. Yeah. Newsom, Newsom, you know, after I saw his name pop up a couple of weeks ago and, you know, watching film, that that uh, Northwestern secondary is really talented. Um, yeah. They got a guy coming out next year, but, you know, we're not going to dive 2022. Um, but Newsom looks really good on film. He has the makings of a guy that, okay, like I'll take him at 34 and be okay with it. You see what the Cowboys yeah. did with Diggs this year. I think he's a little bit better um, technically, um, and he looks comfortable and off man. Like he does a lot of really, really good things. I think he's possibly somebody in play at 34. So if Rondell Moore is there, if Rondell Moore is there, which I don't think he will be, take him and don't think twice about it. Um, and it just depends on. Do you really want to add another weapon? 
I'll add the name Pat Fryermuth into this conversation as a dual threat tight end. Mm. And that's kind of, I mean, that's an anchor position in the offense that they're going to run. And he can do both elements. Yeah, he's a good blocker. He's consistent. Yeah. I think he'll be there. Yeah. I like that one a little bit more. I like, um, I like adding a tight end. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it because we went, well, we went Sewell, we went um, Aziz, and why not go tight end? Yeah. I like, I, I feel like that's good value for where he's at. Um, 34, it doesn't feel like a reach. He was a guy who was in the conversation for tight end number one, which he, he mm-hmm. still is tight end number one because, yeah. you know, Kyle Pitts is a receiver. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, he is. I mean, I know uh, we had a couple people come out and say it lately, but, you know, we've been saying it for months now, and I guess it's going to be a, a thing because, you know, everybody happens to come out with takes right after we, we, we put them out there. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like – I love that Firemuth at uh, 34, Mike. Um, it kind of went over my head, but why not give him a, a consistent security blanket, somebody who can also help um, mm-hmm. in the in the blocking game. I love that pick there, and it gives you another weapon. This is a deep receiver class. No need to rush and go get a guy who's not one of the top tier guys. Exactly, and yeah, and we and we staying true to our philosophy. Like we at the beginning, we said we we just need to take the best player available at every point. We we've taken just the best player available on the board. I mean, there's so many holes on this roster, so you we you can get away with pretty much taking BPA at every pick. And I say out of the names that we mentioned. Uh, Fryermuth helps the most. Uh, he gives you the most immediate return. All right. So we're back up then at the top of the third. We have our tackle, our edge, and our tight end. Who are you looking at now? I mean, it's, it's so many holes. Um, I think at this point, I think we need to look at, yeah, look at best available. And we just got a weapon in the round prior. I think it's time to look more um, in the secondary, you know, possibly get a guy who can develop into that dude for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm always for, you know, we, we either a corner or a safety at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about who possibly could be available, you know, maybe an Aaron Robinson um, at a UCF. Um, if, he, if he's there, Asante Samuels Jr., um, I think he's going to actually go up um, as this process plays out, I don't think he'll he'll be on the board that long. I wouldn't be afraid to look at even uh, another safety. You know, when you look at, I'm just just throwing throwing different names out there. Maybe uh, Talanoa Hufanga is there in the third round. Um, a guy that I like a lot. You know, just I think we need to solidify that back end with a good young player. And I think if if Aaron Robinson, the corner at the UCF, we saw him in the Senior Bowl, is there. I think yeah. you take him. I th- yeah, I think you go that route. Yeah, he, he he's 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 physical, he's athletic. So there's a corner I want to add to this discussion, and I've had a hard time contextualizing him because I haven't seen him in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's Paulson Adebo of yeah. Stanford. So I watched him a while back, and he seemed to have great uh, skill within zone, great IQ, mm-hmm. great athleticism within a very specific scheme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just happens that that scheme is our scheme. Yeah. Makes sense. So does he fit here? Where do you guys see him? I, I think when his biggest issue coming out, he was a guy who was, you know, in first round contention, you know, for a while. Um, and I think he ended up getting a second or third round grade. So he decided to go back to school. Well, then he opted out. So as a player who wasn't necessarily super consistent, 
but he did have those traits. He did. He was super athletic. He did play well in zone. Um, I think he's going to test well when he when he does decide to come out. I mean, do his pro day and things like that. Mm-hmm. He could possibly be there. Um, he definitely could could be there, and that wouldn't be a bad. It wouldn't be a bad pick in the third round um, yeah. when you're looking at corners, especially over some of the guys who are who are still sitting there in the draft. Why not take you know Paulson? Um, just the consistency thing is the only thing that worried me with him. Like he'd look amazing one week, and then another week he'd be getting caught on. It's just like ah. Okay. It's kind of a high upside gamble, but isn't this the team and this the position to take it? Yeah. I mean, the question with Trill is what are you doing with them? You putting them at safety, you putting them at corner. Because they, I mean, they drafted Ashton Davis in the third, uh, and they and and we're re signing Marcus May. So you got two safeties already, unless you plan more of a three safety rotation. So would a running back here be out of the out of the equation or a receiver what a receiver may be sitting here you know uh, we haven't taken one you know i think that that'd be that's a part of the discussion as well i mean it's it is a deep receiver class but at some point is amon ra st brown still around at this point do i don't you think? think so i don't think he gets outside the top 45 yeah about if if it, if it was up to me i'd take him in a second yeah i think i think legit he's round, probably a he's, he's probably a solid second round receiver yeah, I don't think he's going to be a burner. I think him between him, Rashad Bateman, um, I think they're probably going to run similarly. Um, he seemed a little bit more mm-hmm. twitchy. I didn't know Rashad Bateman was six one. That's mm-hmm. what got me. Like I thought he was way bigger. Yeah, I think his school listed him at like six three. Yeah, but then I saw recently like he was listed at six one, like two ten. Yeah. Um, which is which is odd. But uh, Amon Ross listed at six one one ninety five. Um. And they're, and they're slot guys, you know, uh, well, he's a slot guy. I don't know if he's around at 60. What are we at, 66? Yeah, I don't know if he's around at 66. Um, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's around at 66. Um, Eskridge could possibly be around, and that wouldn't be a bad one, but it just depends on are you going to bring in him and T.Y.? I would love to see Kenneth Gainwell here too. Just selfishly, I would, I would love to see him in this yeah, he could he could he could legit be what the 49ers brought in McKinnon to be. When you when you think about it, you know, we were all hyped about McKinnon cuz he was behind AP and we just never got to really see it because he never was really healthy. He brought that versatile skill set and if Kenneth Gain was there for the Jets at the top of the third, I mean, he's reliable in the passing game. He can, he's a good running back, he's explosive. It's a perfect weapon for a young guy. You know, and I, you know, I think just as far as his skill set goes, it, with the weapons you surround the offense with, with Friar Muth, Penny Sewell, you know, uh, Sheriff, um, we've got um, Beckton, T.Y. Hilton, uh, whoever, whoever these guys like, the offense is coming together, you know, um, and he would be a perfect piece to add to it. Plus, he has a, probably like as little tread on his tires as you'll find from a back mm-hmm. coming out of college. <laughs> yep, now that, that was a positive for me. Then number 87 overall, here it is. It's our last third-round pick and our last of five top 100 picks. Yeah, because I was thinking yeah, I was thinking either him, either Rodarius, or maybe a guy like Keith Taylor around this area. Well, I like Keith Taylor over him if we're picking, honestly. Um, for this, especially for this scheme, I mean, I like I like what he does. Trust me, like, you know, yeah, I love the physicality of his game. Um, 
But I think Keith Taylor, he really, really, really impressed me. But even giving up that, you know, the slant to Josh Palmer, who was arguably the best receiver down there in Mobile, um, that, you know, in, in as far as practice and the game, you know, complete package. But Keith Taylor, when you look at when we're running, if we're running a lot of zone and, you know, the ball skills, the athleticism, the length, I think it all plays a part. He's a gamer. I would love him right here, especially in this defense. I would love him at this pick. What about Sean Wade? Oh, yeah. If he's there, I think he could possibly be there. Um, I wouldn't be mad at that one. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to say his name because I felt we say it, you know, every time we talk because, you know, he he's such a figure in this draft because of all the hype. He got labeled an All-American this year. Um, cool, whatever. Um, he was a first-round pick, top 20, top 15 guy coming into the season, and he got torched all year long. Um, if he, Yeah, if he's there – I wouldn't be mad at him getting taken at 88. Um, we were talking about Keith Taylor. He's a – depending on where you rank your corners, he, he could possibly be that number 10 corner on the board. Last year, the number 10 corner then come off the board to 89. So, as far as value goes, we're in that range. Um, so, you know, I think at this point you're picking, you know, between possibly a Keith Taylor or maybe even Sean Wade. I just don't think he played well enough to be a, a first or second round pick this year. So let's go with Keith Taylor then, probably. Yeah. Okay. Fourth round pick. We only have one, and then there's a 40-pick gap between this and our next pick. Mm. So at 108, who are you guys looking at? Yeah, I like going receiver in the fourth round. I think an Amari Rodgers or a 2-2 Atwell would be really fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Hey, what what, what about, um, you know, a guy, you know, um, Jalen Darden? What, what if he's sitting around? What if he's sitting around at 108? You know, I would love to see him. I, I was thinking I was thinking about to throw it back to the San Francisco angle again. Like, San Francisco has a type at wide receiver. You look at Brandon Ayuk. You look at Debo. Um, you look at uh, Jalen Hurd, who they uh, who they drafted. Even even Kittle. Like, you got guys that can run after the catch. They like, to get, they like getting the ball in their hands in space and letting them create. So I was thinking, like, they probably might be thinking along that same line. So I'm thinking maybe like a uh, Jalen Darden or uh, um, another name to throw out that uh, throw out there would be uh, the kid from Indiana, Wap Phil York. Yeah, great name. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that is a great. That's a first round name. But yeah, those are guys that that can, that can do some things with the ball in their hands. So it seems like San Francisco likes that those type of players. So I'm I'm banking that uh that they're gonna like those type of players here too. There's one other guy in that mold that I was thinking about mentioning, but maybe even a better conversation for the fifth round. Uh, and that's Frank Darby. You mentioned, you know, Arizona State receivers having success in this scheme. There there's another one that has a lot of those same skills. Very true. I like Darby. Darby's tough. He's a he's a real good player. I, I still think, you know, we talked about earlier building your basketball team. I think the skill set we're missing is that explosive catch and run sort yeah. of guy. So that's where my mind keeps going in this discussion. I mean, I love Darden. Because you think about it, how, all right, so they got, we got Corey Davis on and Denzel Mims on the outside. So you, I guess you kind of do need an a inside you kind of do need a slot machine, somebody that's going to move the sticks, and somebody that can give you run after the catch and maybe get get vertical on occasion. 
I think WAP will be there. I think Darden will be there. I mean, I like I like Daz Newsome a ton. Um, I think he'll be there as well. But I mean, I I, I like Darden here. I mean, I think he's good. I don't think he's getting enough love in the draft. I think the fourth round's a great spot um, to go and grab him. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. So 40 picks later then, fifth round, and it's our first of two fairly close fifth rounders, 148 overall. What do we look for here? And we look, let's go big boys. Our big boys are front seven because we, we kind of we went O lineman early and we we went edge and O line early and we haven't visited again. I was looking at even um, possibly, you know, Deontay Brown just adding more beef to that, that offensive line. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who, yeah, he didn't have a great senior bowl week, but he's a mauler. You know, I, you know, I think that would be a realistic pick um, where we're at right now. Would you consider going quarterback in the fifth round? Get a developmental guy in case uh, Darnold isn't the long-term option? I don't see a guy in this class that I like enough to to waste a possible pick on. Um, not waste, my bad. Invest a possible pick on. Um, not in this draft, at least. Uh, I feel like you can find more value with, you know, linemen as opposed to I can sign a cheap quarterback for a year. Um, who could possibly get me through a game, but I can't, you know, I want to find, we're rebuilding here. You know, we're going to be bad regardless, but, um, why not possibly find a guy who could help me win a few games and protect my quarterback while I'm at it. Garrett Wallow, you know, Fields and Wallow are two guys we mentioned in the senior bowl pod. So two guys that would probably be available here. Yeah, yeah, he can, he can go. And my, I mean, Mike Rice is, he's an athletic guy on the end. In the middle of your defense, I like the way he plays a lot. I mean, it's possible. Um, you just never know um, how things are going to go after after these guys pro day. So a lot of these guys are going to get bumps. A lot of these guys' film is going to be reevaluated. And I think you just gotta, you know, once we get all the numbers back, I think some of these guys, like maybe a Monty Rice, I think their stock maybe goes up a little bit more. Um, maybe they're not there. Tony Fields is a realistic option in the fifth. I mean, he's a good football player. He's athletic. He plays sideline to sideline you know, really well. He he has a great motor. So I like I like Fields. I mean, all right, nine picks later, one fifty-seven overall. Uh, I think we've touched on a, a decent amount of our needs. So what are you guys looking for here? Uh, just keeping. I mean, I was just looking who who is available. I mean, I know we have a win interior D line. Um, yeah, uh, maybe a safety. Um, why not go, you know, possibly look at safety here? Um, just add a little bit more, you know. I don't think he lasts as long at all, but uh, just, just being wishful of me looking at him like a linebacker, maybe a Jacoby Stevens, uh, Kane Stearns out of Texas, maybe Ardarius Washington, a guy who I love a lot. Oh, yeah, but I don't yeah. know if he lasts to the fifth. He's good, like, honestly. I mean, he's small, but honestly, yeah. my takeaway coming into this season was he was a better safety than Morick. And when you watch them, when you when you look at ability, Morick has the measurables. Um, uh, he's 6'1", 210, whatever he may be, and Ardarius doesn't. When you watch them play, Ardarius pops on film. Like, there's a reason they were the highest, you know, rated safety duo in the country. Ardarius can, can play ball. If that kid was 5'10", 5'11", he'd be in that safety one conversation. 
center field, somebody that maybe maybe can play the slot. Why not our Darius Washington right here? <laughs> I mean, I like him. Um, I like Washington. He, he's good. Uh, you know, schematically, um, yeah. but what they're doing, I'm not quite sure. Um, that's why I, I mentioned Stearns from from Texas. I think he possibly falls to that point. I like Ardarius a lot. If, if if we're agree, if we're green on going safety in the in the fifth round, yeah, I say you might as well go there. I mean, because we in the fifth round, we you, we just looking for players that's gonna be make the roster. Yeah, I mean, some of these some of these guys are gonna develop into depth of guys, special team guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm good with that. Well, let's make Hag happy and go with Washington. Huh? <laughs> nah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Nah, he he, 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 he can ball. He, he could be a steal. You know, you know, you you see all the the honey badger. Uh, all the all the, the smaller guys get the honey badger label, but he he actually can he can, he plays his ass off. All right, last pick of the draft, sixth round, two hundred two overall. Who's the last guy we're adding to this Jets team? We're double dipping. I, I will say, like I I also don't necessarily think we need a running back here, and I know we talked about him last time, but Javian Hawkins in this offense would be fun too. Oh. Just explosive. Mm-hmm. My other thought was double dipping at linebacker with another guy we talked about at the Senior Bowl and Justin Hilliard, who kind of got overshadowed by some of those Ohio State teammates, but we are still woefully short at linebacker. Yeah, he's good. He's a good player. I wouldn't be mad at him. I'm high on Hilliard. I love, like I, I talked about it before. I saw how he performed later. And I always, running backs, I always feel like you can grab them. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a ton of undrafted guys. That you yeah, you can get. always find a running back. Like, we see it every year. Um you know, teams have successful undrafted guys, you know, every single year. Free agents come in. Um, I wouldn't be mad with Hilliard. He, he's a good player. You know, he's been banged up. This typically where, you know, a guy like him could possibly fall and he could possibly ball out if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. So I like that. All right. Then Hilliard is our final pick, final edition of this uh, this whole rebuild process. What are you guys' takeaways? Who are you glad we got? Who do you kind of wish we had gotten? Um, looking at our draft in particular, are there any positions you wish we'd filled? I'm glad we went and we got pieces to help Darnold more than anything. So I think even with the guys that we drafted, we'll we'll be able to see an immediate increase in production just because the weapons that were given to him. When you look at the offensive line, when you look at giving him Fryermuth, when you look at giving him Gainwell. These are all guys you can easily get the football to, and that would that would make him perform more efficiently, more effectively. And I think I'm most happy about that. Just adding those solid offensive pieces that can really up his game. Yeah, I like what we did in the trenches. I mean, we solidified the tackle position for years, and we solidified the interior for the for the near future. Um, I think just having a better offensive line will make so much of a difference. Uh, for the quarterback and for the pretty much the entire offense because, I mean, you think about it, you can't do anything if you can't block. And the Jets couldn't block last season, and we see what happens. But now they're going to be able to run the ball. Now Darnold's going to have time to throw. I think the most important thing we did was solidify the trenches. I think I really like that we came in very true to, I think, a couple of elements. One is – the sort of draft tendencies and schematic fits that we know they're going to carry over from San Francisco and really trying to fill the needs within that specific prism. 
Um, I think that's an important thing to do in this exercise. And then coming in with specific target groups in mind and then kind of letting things unfold. You know, we knew we needed linebacker. We didn't necessarily get it early. So then we double dip late. The more stabs you take at a position of need, the more likely you are to hit. And I'm all for using your late rounds that way, specifically when you can't necessarily get those guys early. Um, as far as favorite picks, I mean, give me Kenneth Gainwell in this offense. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for us here. Um, we'll be back next time with the number three overall pick as we continue to run through this process. In the meantime, rate us, review us, drop a question in your comment, and we'll get to it. Go follow us at Crocker Report and check us out at crockerreport.com. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.